Happy Wednesday. It is EP Podcast time. I'm Austin Horton, host of the EP Podcasts, executive producer of the Zone Sports Network and the big show each and every day, 2 to 7 on 1280 AM, 97.5 FM and 1280thezone.com, the Zone Sports Network app. Tune in, iHeart, Spotify, wherever you find us. That's where you'll also find the EP Podcast. Thank you each and every day for tuning in and checking in to see what, uh, what I have to say, what I'm thinking. I'd love to hear back from you what you have to say, what you're thinking. You can email me, austin.horton at 1280thezone.com. You can find me on Twitter at Austin Horton, Horton spelled like the elephant. All right, uh, we got a lot to get to today. It is an acoustic Wednesday, which means I've got a, a song coming up for you uh, at some point dur- during the show here today that will uh, be an acoustic song. I love acoustic music. I think it needs to be uh, celebrated and appreciated more and heard more often. Uh, I think there's an innocence and a uh, imperfect imperfection, I should say, that comes with acoustic music, and that's what I think music should be instead of a computerized, perfect-sounding thing. Anyway, that, that's I'm getting way off the tracks here. But we've got a lot of sports topics to get to before we get to Acoustic Wednesday today. We do still have uh, continued fallout from so-called Pizzagate. Uh, this thing has caught on like wildfire. Uh, and I, you know, I saw a few places nationally claiming that they were first with it. Stop it. It's just, just stop it right now. Uh, and, and by the way, some of them were, were people I shared the interview with that I, that I sent them the audio and said, here, go ahead and use this. Or here's the guy's contact info. And, and they run with it as though they got it from them. The, they found it themselves. That bothers me. I don't need, I don't need personally the credit. I don't. Uh, in fact, I, I prefer not to have the credit given to me personally because all I did was follow a lead, follow a tip, and, and get the guy on. It's, it wasn't that hard. Uh, it, it, what I want is the Zone Sports Network and the big show to be properly courtesied and credit credited on on uh, getting that first. And now that you know Craig's doing every interview that the request that he can uh, fit into his day right now, and that's his right and his prerogative, and that's fine. And I don't begrudge him that at all. I do have a problem, though, when someone says exclusive or hear it here first. That's not or you or or even you heard it here first or we had it first when they didn't. No, the, the big show on the Zone Sports Network had it first. Remember the name. All right. Uh, that being said, it is uh, how we start each and every day is this day in sports history. And May 20th had some interesting things happen. You saw one of them most recently in the Last Dance documentary, the infamous dunk by Scottie Pippen over Patrick Ewing. 1993, May 20. Uh, Ford Scottie Pippen dunked on Nick center Patrick Ewing and then taunted both he and Spike Lee. As the Bulls won 93-79 and tied the Eastern Conference semis at three games apiece. In fact, that victory was the last Bulls game at Chicago Stadium. And as the team then went on to lose, as you know, to the Knicks in Game 7. Also May 20, 1999, Mets third baseman Robin Ventura hit a grand slam in the first game of a doubleheader. An 11-10 win over the Milwaukee Brewers at Shea Stadium. And in the second game, Ventura hit another Grand Slam in a 10-1 victory. To date, he is the only player in Major League Baseball history to record Grand Slams in both games of a doubleheader. So there you go, May 20, this day in sports history. All right, the first thing I want to talk about today on the EP podcast has to do with the Utah Jazz. Mike Conley uh, announced that he is going to be uh, continuing, I should say, his long 
held belief of helping out communities that he's involved in. He has donated to charities his entire career. He is, has won a lot of awards for being community-minded and driven everywhere he's been, in college and in the pros, and he's doing that yet again. The Utah Jazz and Mike Conley announced that he has donated $200,000 to benefit the communities that help shape him and the state he currently represents on the NBA floors. Uh, Conley's comprehensive contribution to five communities will address food insecurity, homelessness, and remote learning needs exacerbated by COVID-19. His $200,000 donation will be distributed among Utah Food Bank in Salt Lake City, Code Crew in Memphis, Tennessee, Community Shelter Board, and the Columbus Urban League in Columbus, Ohio, the, the Indianapolis Public Schools Foundation in Indianapolis, and the New Haven Missionary Baptist Church in West Helena, Arkansas. Mike said, quote, giving back and helping others is very important to me. The COVID-19 crisis has allowed me to slow down and appreciate who I am and where I am in life. It has reminded me that I am in this position because of the support and sacrifices of others I've encountered along the way. I wanted to be there for the communities that have been fundamental to my personal growth and are now suffering due to the effects of this pandemic. I wouldn't be where I am today without them, close quote. Uh, according to the release from the Jazz, a portion of the three-time NBA Sportsmanship Award winner's donation is going to help Utah Food Bank to continue to send increased amounts of product to its 182 partner agencies across the state. In addition, it will help offset the increased transportation costs of Utah Food Bank's mobile pantry program, which is continually expanding to meet the sharp increase in need due to the pandemic. It also says Conley's contribution will provide the equivalent of more than 194,000 meals for Utahns currently facing hunger. Pretty dang cool stuff there from uh, Mike Conley. Uh, his donation is aligned with the Acts of Caring platform of NBA Together, and it, it, which uh, aims to harness the reach of the NBA and its partners to galvanize support for those most impacted by the outbreak of COVID-19. As you uh, saw in his uh, tournament where he played uh, in the horse tournament that Mike Conley participated in, he had a really nice private gym in Columbus, Ohio, that uh, I don't know if it was attached to a home he owns, if it's just uh, a home that someone in his family owns, but I know it was a private access to a private gym. And a lot of people had a problem with it. And, and thought, and some even suggested that the optics of it were poor. I couldn't disagree more. Uh, I could see it. Uh, this is this is completely different from what uh, Tampa Bay pitcher Blake Snell uh, has has been uh, per putting out there in the public eye, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, uh, uh, of course. Uh, but this was Mike Conley has made millions upon millions of dollars playing basketball. And if I look, if I had millions upon millions of dollars to be in the rate to, to, to be a radio guy, I guarantee it. I would have a state of the art, top of the line radio station, podcast booth, all the equipment, bells and whistles in my home or attached to my home or private access to such a facility. And any of you in your line of work or your, your most passionate hobby, you would do the same. And because Mike Conley matches uh, his his uh, personal, it matches if not exceeds his personal growth and personal gain with selfless giving. I have no problem with Mike Conley playing a game of horse in his own gym. And I have no problem with him spending whatever he spent to build that gym. It is his livelihood. He's trying to perfect himself as a basketball player. I think that's a great 
expense, a great choice if you can afford it to go ahead and do that. And while it's not a requirement, it makes everyone feel really, really good about you as a person when you can also back it up with all these donations that he's done throughout his career, and that adds on uh, today. Now, Mike Conley is the first person who's going to come on here and say, uh, well, if I'm, he's not probably not going to come on here, but he'd be the first person to say he doesn't want the credit, doesn't want the, uh, the, the praise. He just wants to do good things with the good that he's been given. So Mike Conley, always been a good dude, always been a great guy, always been a terrific basketball player. And I feel in terms of basketball, he was just about to get going for the Utah Jazz when the pandemic put a halt to things. If you go back and look at his uh, five to ten games before the uh, Oklahoma City night, Mike Conley was cooking. He was getting there, and, and it was being put together consistently, and he didn't have to be the number one guy, but oftentimes he was the third guy, and that's what the Jazz needed out of him. So too bad that the pandemic hit when it did in terms of basketball. That is a, a big impact for the Utah Jazz, and we'll see what it means when the season resumes. But kudos to Mike Conley and his wife, I believe her name is Sarah, for that donation. Really, really cool stuff. Add Horace Grant to the long list of people who thinks that the Michael Jordan Last Dance documentary was anything but a documentary. Uh, Horace Grant was on ESPN 1000 Cap and Dan, uh, uh, or Cap and Co, I should say, in uh, ESPN 1000 in Chicago, and talked about his problems that he has with Michael Jordan's uh, Last Dance show, uh, and even called him a snitch. Went as far as to call him because MJ, of course, called him a snitch and said and alleged in the documentary that Horace Grant gave up secrets, team secrets and team info to Sam Smith for a book called The Jordan Rules uh, back in the day, to which Horace Grant has denied uh, time and again, but had some pretty strong words for Michael Jordan on the uh, ESPN 1000 Chicago show. As I, I stated to everybody, that is a, a downright outright completely lie 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 and as i stated if mj had a grudge with me let's settle it like man let's talk about it or we can settle, settle it another way but yet and still he goes out and put this lie out that i was the source behind sam and i have always been great friends we're still great friends but the sanctity of that locker room I would never put anything personal out there. The, the mere fact that Sam Smith uh, was an investigative reporter, that he had to have two sources, two, to, uh, to, to write a book, I guess. Why would MJ just point me out? Okay? Right. That's, I mean, that, it, it, it's only a grudge, man. I'm telling you, it was only a grudge. And I think he proved that during this so-called documentary when if you don't say something, if you say something about him, he's going to cut you off. He's, uh, um, he's going to try to destroy your character. I mean, you know, Charles Barkley, they've been friends for over 20, 30 years, and he said something about uh, Michael's um, uh, management uh, with the Charlotte Bobcats or the Charlotte Hornets. Um, and then... They haven't spoken since then. And my, my fact is, my, my point is that he calls, he said I was a snitch, but yet and still after 30 or 35 years, he brings up um, his rookie year going into 
uh, one of his teammates' room, his former teammates' room, and saying coke and weed and women. My point is, why why in the hell did he want to bring that up? What what's that got to do with anything? I mean, if if you want to call somebody a snitch, that's a damn snitch right there. Pretty strong stuff there from Horace Grant, uh, and a lot of people that I've heard talk about Horace Grant in the past and currently. Uh, recently, I should say, they say he's a stand-up guy. You can believe every word he says. Horace Grant doesn't have a lying bone in his body. Uh, look, this when we talked about the Craig fight story and whether or not I believed it, I told you I was more want to believe him and what he had to say than what Michael Jordan and his PR staff have to say, and this is exactly the same for me. I'm more leaning towards believing Horace Grant over believing anything that Jordan and his group have to say. So, uh, as for the documentary, why he kept calling a so-called documentary, uh, Horace Grant said this, I would say it was entertaining, but we know who was there as teammates that about 90% of it, I don't know if I can say it on air, but BS in terms of the realness of it, it wasn't real because a lot of things Jordan said to some of his teammates, that his teammates went back at him, but all of that was kind of edited out of the documentary if you want to call it a documentary. Uh, and he goes on and on and said that Jordan had ultimate say in what was and was not allowed to be in the show, and therefore it's not journalism, it's entertainment, and therefore cannot be deemed a documentary. I don't know. I don't know if I, don't know if I would go as far as to say it's, it can't be deemed a documentary, but I think that it is important to note that it is strictly entertainment and not journalistic. But at any, at any rate, Horace Grant, not happy with how things have gone uh, post being a teammate of Michael Jordan, says that if they ever run into each other, he thinks that they'll be respectful and cordial, but he's not going to lose any sleep over if they're not going to be friendly or friends uh, going forward. There you go. Braves Hall of Fame pitcher Tom Glavin was one of the talking heads in the front of the media back during the baseball strike in, uh, what, 1994-95. Uh, he, he was right there. He met the media stood up for the uh, players' union on that side of things and explained their situation back then. A piece in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution today by Steve Hummer has a lot of quotes that he got from Tom Glavin, uh, who pitched for a long, long time for the, uh, or, excuse me, the Atlanta Braves. And he talked about the current situation versus back then. And he said he would do some things the same and some things differently. Uh, as for players speaking out back then, including himself, he said that uh, this time around he would advise players to be very, very cautious and careful about what they say, when they say it, how they say it. Because right now, as it was then, people are struggling financially in this country, in this world. And this pandemic has hit them a lot harder and a lot more in terms of reality than a multi-million dollar baseball player who is crying over a few million dollars out of $50 million, so to speak, in Blake Snell's case. Uh, and, and Tom Glavin, about, uh, about that kind of situation, had this to say to Steve Hummer, quote, I felt like if I did an interview on the radio or TV, if I had five or ten minutes, I could make somebody understand what was going on and come to our side. That just wasn't going to happen. When you hear a 50-50 split of revenue, anybody who has at all familiarity with the union and collective bargaining agreements knows that a 50-50 revenue split is a salary cap. Now again, we're in an extenuating circumstance. You have to have conversations about how it's all going to play out, but you have to understand that 50-50 revenue split to the union is a scary proposition 
Does that mean they're not going to be willing to sit down and try to figure something out? In a time when you've lost half a season at minimum, would you expect that the owners would have to pay everyone's full salary? I probably wouldn't. What the solution is, I don't know. It's something they need to sit down and figure out. Close quote. So Tom Glavin taking a more political approach than a guy like Blake Snell or Bryce Harper or Nolan Arnato complaining over their millions of dollars that they're losing. Yeah, it's millions of dollars, but they still have jobs. They're still millionaires, and they're still making millions of dollars to play a sport. I know it's not easy. It's not all fun and games, but it is fun, and it is a game, and you're very, very blessed and lucky to be making so much stinking money to do so. I don't want to hear from any of them complaining about their money. I just don't. When 37-plus million people are without work today in America, I don't need to hear Blake Snell while playing a video game in his mansion complaining that he's only going to make $2.5 million dollars this coming 82-game season when he only pitches every three to six days. Stop it. Tom Glavin seems to have figured that out since the last time a work stoppage was being uh, discussed or was happening for Major League Baseball. And though it's different circumstance this time around, this time it's a pandemic, last time it was plain greed from the players, and the players won last time, by the way. Tom Glavin's message to the players of, t- of today is warning them that uh, they will be the ones that are going to be blamed for anything that the, the, if baseball doesn't play they're the ones that's that are going to get the blame not the owners not the commissioner the players he said this quote if it were to come down to an economic issue and that's the reason baseball didn't come back you're looking at a situation similar to the strike and as far as fans are concerned Even if players were 100% justified in what they were complaining about, they're still going to look bad, close quote. Now, Glavin also uh, allowed that if players aren't comfortable playing in a pandemic, you have to give room for that, and absolutely you do. But what I fear is going to happen, which is too bad, is players to save public face will say that they are scared because of the pandemic, and really what they're doing is holding out financially. But that's got that'll rest on their conscience, not mine. All I know is if baseball is allowed to resume safely, the players ought to do so and shut up about losing half of a million dollars when they're still going to be making multiple millions of dollars to play. End of story. Uh, by the way, Steve Hummer, the writer of that piece, will be on the big show today to talk about it. So tune in at four o'clock. All right, let's take a break here before we get to our final topic of the day, and we'll do our Acoustic Wednesday selection now. This was uh, making the rounds on Twitter and other social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook. I saw it in a lot of places. A young kid named Will Tongi. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing uh, his name there, but he has written a, a acoustic version of a song that he has named Dreams, and a lot of people are sharing this around there, trying to get it on the radio. Thought I'd play just a little bit uh, of Dreams by Will Tongi here as it fits right into Acoustic Wednesday on the EP podcast. Shine beneath the 
I saw attached to that said this is the summer slow jam you need in your life right now absolutely that that song and blinding lights by the weekend are the two songs just blasting through my head uh, all day every day right now so well done to will tongi hopefully he'll be able to find uh, his uh, moment in fame and, and get up on the other radio airwaves and, and become uh, a multi-millionaire and live out the dream of being a professional musician congrats to will tongi that is acoustic wednesday here on the EP Podcast. Final thing I wanted to share with you today, Paul Pierce, NBA uh, player and now uh, analyst for ESPN Broadcasts, said on the NBA Countdown show that LeBron James is not in his top five all-time players list. Uh, this uh, You'll hear reaction from Jay Williams in the background, Jalen Rose, and Maria Taylor. But this is what Paul Pierce had to say about who he puts in his top five and why LeBron James is not included. Bill Russell built up the organization in Boston. Should get way more credit than we give him. And a lot of times he gets left out of the uh, conversation. So in saying that, Kareem, look at the names that I said. Kareem, Magic, Jordan, Tim Duncan, Kobe, uh, Bird. These guys are all top ten players who would either help build up their organization or continue the tradition. And oh, saying, the, the, the one thing that is ever from LeBron, he went and put together a team in Miami. I think there's and a lot of always, he came back to Cleveland to put that team together, and then he went to the Lakers, where a tradition is already been made and we don't know you know that's still to be continued so in saying that that's my argument oh. organization it goes both ways man it ain't just like one player is the only thing that makes it happen lebron james who wasn't, wasn't surrounded by other great players he had to go to a first class organization in miami to actually figure out what the standard of excellence was with pat riley and d wade and mickey harrison come on man so who are you blaming this on who are you blaming this on What's I'm, your not point? It on, I'm not blaming it on anything. I'm saying you don't need to make an organization great in order to be one of the greatest of all time. I don't have an obligation. I to didn't say he wasn't the greatest of all time. I did not you say just said he he's not. He's not top five on your rank. That's that's the oh, way to top five. Up. You want to hear my top five? You want to hear it again? Sure. You want to hear it again? Jordan. Sure. Let me know. Kareem. 
Russell. And you know who the fourth one is? Magic. Who's, who's the fifth? And now you know who's in my top five? I'm not going to say nothing right now. Kobe Bryant. Come on. Oh. That's my top five. Argue with it. Argue nothing. with it. There you go. At least he has reasoning. That's not, that's not a terrible five that he just listed there. It did sound like he just kind of came up with it off the cuff and didn't have it planned out. But Paul Pierce says LeBron James not in the top five. Then get and at first you're like, what? What are you talking about? Then he lists the five, and you're like, oh, well, maybe that, that does make sense. The problem I have with any time we have one of these discussions is there's so different, there's such a difference in the different eras of how the game was played, refereed, trained for, uh, prepared for. It was There was a lot of things that were harder back in the day. There were a lot of things that are easier back in the day when comparing to present. And I th- there's like an old, middle, and present era in the NBA. And it's hard, I think, to mix all those different players across the generations together. That's what makes it such a fun discussion and at times such a headache-inducing discussion. But... For the sake of following in Paul Pierce's footsteps, here's my current NBA top five of all time list in no particular order. Well, you know what? I'll give you an order. How about that? Number one, first and foremost, I do think LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. I know it's not popular right now to say that. A couple years ago, it was the popular thing to say. But I do think if they played one-on-one, Michael Jordan's in trouble. And that's why I give it to LeBron James. LeBron James is just so much bigger and so much more dominant than Michael Jordan. I think MJ is, uh, is two. So it goes LeBron, Michael Jordan, and then a lot of people are surprised by this from me. But I, I, if I've got Michael Jordan in the top five. You gotta have his clone copy, Kobe Bryant, in the top five. The guy is a top five player of all time. Four, I go with Magic Johnson. And it's too bad his career got cut short, because otherwise he might be in the discussion for the top spot. But uh, there you go. It's my four. LeBron, MJ, Kobe, Magic. And then on five, at five, you've got to give a nod to the old era, the pet, the days of past. If you want to go with Wilt Chamberlain, if you want to go with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, if you want to go with Oscar Robertson, Robertson whatever, whoever you want to put in the Bill Russell, I'll listen to any of those quote-unquote older eras uh, players to be put in there at the fifth slot. But I do think players today are better than players back then. Sorry, not sorry. That's going to do it for a Wednesday edition of the EP Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am Austin Horton. Make sure you catch the big show each and every day, 2 to 7, on 1280 and 97.5 The Zone or 1280thezone.com. I will see you on a throwaway Thursday. And until then, be good to each other. Now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> Hi, Cameron. Hi, how are you doing? We're great, man. How are you? What's up, Zach? Hi, Troy. How are you? What's up, Nick? How are you? Miles, what's up, man? How are you? What's up, man? How, how are, are you? you? Coach, good afternoon. How are you doing? What's up, Liam? How are hey, you? Man. Thanks for a few minutes. How are you? Chris, first of all, thanks for a few minutes. How are you doing, man? What's up, KJ? How are you this fine day? Hi, Coach. What's going on, Justin? What's up, man? How are you? Uh, how are things? What's up, JJ? What's going on, Jamar? How are you? I say, what's up, man? How are you? Thanks for a few minutes. How you doing? How you doing, Nino? Thanks I'm, for joining I'm, us. Coach, it's great to see you. How are you? Coach, good afternoon. How you doing? How are you, man? Casey, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? Bradley, what's up, man? How are you? Herm Edwards with us on the Zone Sports Network. Coach, it's great to see you. How you doing? Good afternoon. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you?